Sports, WTPN, Pinellas Park. Peter is telling us that the way to assure ourselves that Christ is coming again is to remember not only that the Bible predicts Christ's coming, but it also predicts there will be a rise in false teachers who will deny his coming. That's how you assure your hearts. What has happened today, the rise of false teachers like liberal theologians who laugh at anyone who takes literally the coming of Christ, that kind of stuff, all that does is it should assure our hearts because that's what Jesus said would happen. The Bible is full of warnings, cautioning us against false teachers who would have us put our trust in someone other than the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible is prayed to, he's worshiped, he is called God, and he's coming again. That coming again part of his identity can be pretty scary to someone who is leading a life that they know Jesus would condemn. But to those of us who have trusted him for payment of sin and received life eternal, we call it the blessed hope. My father died of a sudden heart attack when he was only 52. He felt just fine. The doctor had warned him that he needed to make some changes, but dad ignored the warnings thinking everything would be okay right up to the instant his heart just stopped. One second he was working at his carpentry job and the next he was dead. For many people, that's how it will be when Jesus returns. The world is full of false teachings developed by people who have preconceived notions of who Jesus is, and they twist, misinterpret, and even alter the Bible to make it fit their own ideas. Ideas they dreamed up on their own to make themselves feel that they are okay. Thanks for listening today. You have tuned in to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been teaching since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Now his messages are made available through this radio station by Verse by Verse Ministries. Pastor Steve is just starting out on a series of six messages from 2 Peter chapter 3, dealing with the return of Jesus Christ. Today's lesson is the middle portion of the first message in the series. Some people think Jesus has already returned, but even more people, maybe most people, think he will never return. Their frequent expressions of disbelief in the second coming can easily shake our own confidence, unless we know why we believe what we believe. No matter what anyone thinks, though, the Bible makes it clear that just as Jesus came as the Lamb of God 2,000 years ago, he will come again as the Lion of Judah. Now, here is Pastor Steve with some biblical assurances for us. Oh, and if you have your Bible, turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. You see, scoffers today, they're, they're not going to uh, scoff at the first coming of Christ. It's the second coming of Christ that people have a real problem with. So let's begin by looking at the first way to assure our hearts that he is coming again, even if people mock that and make you feel little about that and laugh at you for believing that. It's this. How do you assure your heart? Remember the word of God. Remember the word of God. Let's begin by looking at verse 1. Peter writes, This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you, in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. Now, Peter opens this final chapter by explaining to these believers why he felt the need to write two letters to them. And he, I take it as referring to first the letter we know as First Peter as well as Second Peter. Essentially, he says that his goal was to awaken their thinking to stir them up in the sense of refreshing their memories about truths that they had already known. This wasn't new to them. 
And it really shouldn't be new to us. He had already taught this. They had been uh, acquainted with this information, but it's helpful for all of us to have reminders. Isn't that true? No matter how long you've been a Christian and no matter how deep you get with the Lord and no matter how much deep theology, you know, we all at times need reminders of the basics of Christianity. That's one of the great uh, benefits of having the Lord's Supper. I think that's why one reason why Jesus established it. As we meet, we meet and we have the Lord's Supper to remember his death and never to forget that. Constant reminder. So we do need to be reminded of the basic truths of Christianity. Now, what was the truth, the specific truth that Peter wanted to remind his readers of in this chapter? Well, it was the second coming of Christ. That's the reminder. And he tells us this in verse 2, that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Uh, Peter tells us to remember two things. He tells us from this verse, two things in relation to Christ's return. Number one is the Old Testament prophets, and number two is the commandments of the Lord spoken through the apostles. Now, what does he mean by the Old Testament prophets? He is referring to the messianic prophecies. The, the Old Testament prophets said there would be a Messiah coming. He's referring to all of the prophecies in the Hebrew scriptures that predicted that Jesus Christ would come to earth. Now, I do need to explain something that is critical for you to understand if you are to understand this passage. When the Old Testament prophets spoke of Messiah's coming, they often did not make a distinction between his first and second comings. In their mind, he was coming. That's it. They didn't make a distinction. And sometimes you read about uh, a prophecy concerning Christ where there's a, a humility there, there's a gentleness, there's sacrifice that's given in that context. Those refer to his birth, his, his life, his death. Then there are other prophecies about his second coming, which are given in the context of, of judgment, uh, wrath, uh, righteousness, executing judgment, specifically the seven-year tribulation period, and then his actual return. That seven-year tribulation period is a time just seven years prior to the return of Christ. That will be a time of wrath. That will be a time of judgment. It's called in the Old Testament the time of Jacob's trouble. And so uh, the prophets, when they wrote of Messiah's coming, often just lumped them together, so much to the point that the ancient rabbis uh, looked at these at these prophecies and, and couldn't reconcile it. How could you have a gentle, humble Messiah and a kingly Messiah of wrath and judgment. And sometimes some of the rabbis actually said uh, their interpretation of, of this was is that there is not one Messiah. They said there are two Messiahs. Well, they were wrong about that. One Messiah, two comings. And so these prophecies are together. You see, when he comes again, he is not coming as the gentle lamb of God to humbly pay for our sins. He is coming as the lion of the tribe of Judah to execute judgment on his enemies and to establish his physical kingdom on earth. So now let's put this together. When Peter tells us to remember the prophecies of his coming, he is not simply telling us that when that Jesus is coming again. He is telling us to remember that Christ's return is in connection with judgment, connection with judgment. He is telling us to remember such prophecies as, let me give you two examples. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 13, just to give you a, a taste of what he's talking about. This is essential for you to understand so that you'll know why the mockers will mock the second coming of Christ. They don't, they don't care about Jesus 
uh, coming again. They care about what he's coming to do. And that's judge sin. Isaiah chapter 13, just a few verses. We'll break in at verse six and just see, understand when he speaks of the day of the Lord and the return. That's what he's talking about. Well, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come as destruction from the almighty. Therefore, all hands will fall limp and every man's heart will melt, will melt. They will be terrified. Pains and anguish will take hold of them. They will read like a woman in labor. They will look at one another in astonishment, their faces uh, aflame. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming cruel with fury and burning anger to make the land a desolation, and he will ex exterminate its sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and, the, and their constellations will not flash forth their light. The sun will be dark when it rises. The moon will not shed its light. Thus I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I'll also put an end to the arrogance of the proud and abase the haughtiness of the ruthless. Do you understand what he's saying? That, that this is the day of the Lord. This is the day he's coming. Also, Zechariah, towards the end of the Old Testament, Zechariah is a wonderful book about the uh, second coming of Christ. It even mentions the first coming. Zechariah 14, the first four verses. Behold, the day is coming. For the Lord, when the spoil taken from you will be divided among you, for I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle. This is speaking of the end of the tribulation. And the city will be captured, the houses plundered, the women ravished, and half of the city exiled. But the rest of the people will not be cut off from the people. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights on a day of battle. In that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. Jesus is returning. The same place he, he left, departed from, he's coming back. The Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives will be split in its middle. It just goes on to say the geographic uh, things that will happen when he comes back. The topography will all be changed in Israel. So I, I want you to, to know that when Peter is talking about remember the prophecies, he's saying remember the day of the Lord, remember the time of judgment, not just that he's coming again, but what he's going to do. Now, I want to just show you how important this is. And, and uh, to show you, if you'll turn to Jude, just a few books after Second Peter, right before the book of Revelation, the book of, of Jude, which is very similar to Second Peter, actually uh, underscores for us the message of uh, and how important prophecy is concerning the second coming of Christ in relation to judgment. Now, I want you to see this. Jude says in verse 14 and verse 15, it was also about these men, he's talking about false teachers too, that Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds, deeds which they have done in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now, this is amazing. Jude is telling us that way back in the earliest days of man's history, not long after creation, Enoch, who's just the seventh generation removed from Adam, gave a prophecy. God gave a prophecy through Enoch. And what was that prophecy? That prophecy is that the Lord is coming to judge the ungodly. He's coming to judge the ungodly. He says that uh, in verse 14, the Lord will come with many thousands of his holy ones. I take it that he that is referring to holy angels as well as as raptured believers. And we're coming back with him, but he's going to execute judgment on the ungodly. See, God was so concerned that men understand that he was coming to execute judgment that in the earliest days of man's history, he made a clear statement concerning that. 
That's something that's very important to keep in mind. Pastor Steve will be right back to explain after we welcome those of you who just tuned in. You are listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're in the middle of a three-part message, the first in a series of six messages about the second coming of Jesus Christ. If you missed the start of class, stay tuned at the conclusion for the web address where you can hear it again. While we need to watch out that we don't fall prey to false teachings, there is one thing encouraging for the believer about those false teachers. That's the fact that Jesus and the apostles said they would come. So their very denial of biblical truths actually should reinforce our beliefs in those truths. Pastor Steve will have more about that shortly. Let's get back to class now. We just read a passage from the book of Jude, in which Jude quoted Enoch, who was only seven generations after Adam. Enoch prophesied that the Lord would return to execute judgment on the wicked. Now here's Pastor Steve with some thoughts about why false teachers deny the second coming. Now, why is this so significant? The reason that false teachers and others deny the second coming of Christ is because they want to dismiss from their minds the thought of being judged for their sins. That's why it's, it's so difficult for them. See, if there is no ultimate judgment for their sins, then they can live any way they choose without any consequences for their sin. That's why the second coming of Christ is such a threat to them. Not the first coming, not, not a little babe in the manger. That doesn't bother anybody. What bothers people is that the lion of the tribe of Judah, the king of kings, is coming to execute judgment. And therefore, men and women resist that. And that's why Peter said in verse 2 that we should remember the prophets who said that he's coming to execute judgment, but he said that you should remember something else. Notice, and the commandments of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. He said, in addition to remembering the Old Testament prophecies of a second coming and judgment, remember what Jesus commanded you. And the apostles told you. Now, what command is Peter referring to? He doesn't specifically uh, give it to us. He doesn't spell it out for us here. But it seems to me, based on the context of false teachers, that Peter is telling us to remember that Jesus and the apostles commanded us to beware of false teachers. That makes the most sense, especially when you see what he has to say in, in verse 3. But where did Jesus command us to, uh, uh, to beware of false teachers? Well, in Matthew chapter 7. He commanded that in verse 15, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are savage wolves. The apostles picked up on that command and they said the same thing. Uh, the apostle Paul said to the church at Ephesus that savage wolves will come in amongst you, not sparing the flock. Paul also told the, the church at Ephesus through Timothy, as he wrote Timothy, that uh, some would come in the last days, doctrines of demons they would propagate. And, and in fact, all the apostles said basically what the, what the Lord commanded, be careful about false teachers. Now, let's put this together. Let's, let's put it together. Peter is telling us that the way to assure ourselves that Christ is coming again is to remember not only that the Bible predicts Christ's coming, but it also predicts there will be a rise in false teachers who will deny his coming. That's how you assure your hearts. What has happened today 
Well, the rise of false teachers like liberal theologians who, who laugh at anyone who takes literally the coming of Christ, that kind of stuff, all that does is it should assure our hearts because that's what Jesus said would happen. In fact, that's why Peter says in verse 3, notice, we go back to Second Peter, verse 3, know this first of all, this is the priority of our knowledge, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking following after their own lusts. And Peter wants all of us to be aware, to be aware that in the, this period of time known as the last days, and we are living, by the way, in the last days, the last days really almost synonymous with the church age. The last days would be the era right after the Old Testament and before Jesus returns. And so what, what he's saying is that in these days, there will be those who mock and ridicule the second coming of Christ. The rise of, of false teachers. That, that ought to assure your hearts. Not only did, did the Bible say that Jesus is coming again to judge sin, but that there would be men and women who would increase in this age and deny that. Ironically, their very denial is one of the proofs that he's coming again. These are the false teachers that Peter's been writing about. And now he calls them mockers, scoffers. Now, what is a mocker? What is a scoffer? Not just an ordinary unbeliever. Not just an ordinary unbeliever, but a mocker is an unbeliever who has a deep contempt towards Christianity, a deep contempt towards Christ and the gospel. They are not your typical unbeliever. A mocker argues against the return of Christ, or for that matter, any teaching in the Bible, by ridiculing it, making fun of it. He takes delight in making fun at what you hold dear, and that is the return of Christ. He tries to steal your hope of the return of Christ by his arguments. Mockers are today's liberal theologians who arrogantly deride Christians for believing in a literal return of Jesus. Mockers are those who are uh, liberal theologians who, who have made up the Jesus Seminar, telling us that uh, we, we really shouldn't take the Bible literally. Mockers are, are those uh, so-called uh, eminent theologians who, when ABC did their special on Jesus, that Peter Jennings went to. He didn't go to evangelical scholars. He went to those kind of people. Mockers are college professors who laugh at Christian students, who say they believe in Christianity and take the Bible literally. I remember when I uh, first came to faith in Christ, I was a freshman at the University of South Florida, and I went to speak to uh, one of the uh, ministers on campus and told him about my faith in Christ. And he told me, he said, Genesis is a myth. That was his response to a new believer. Mockers, those who laugh at Christians who say they believe in Christianity, we take the Bible literally. Mockers are those cult leaders who take great delight in making sport of any evangelical who holds to the second coming of Christ, that he will physically and literally come to this earth. Now, these are the people who contemptuously look down upon you, who contemptuously look down upon me for believing anything supernatural, anything of the miraculous, especially something they would say is ridiculous as the Lord coming from heaven to execute judgment on this world. Now, why did they mock the return of Jesus? And you must get this point. It is very simple, not hard to understand, but easy to overlook. I want you to notice the last phrase of verse 3. Following after their own lust. Do you see that? It's important for every one of us to understand that what motivates mockers, scoffers to belittle 
the return of Christ or anything to do with Christianity is not true scholarship or academic credentials or intellectualism. Those academic arguments that they throw at you folks are just cover-ups. They're smoke screens. The real reason that people mock the return of, of Christ is their lust, it's their behavior, their desires. In the context here, Peter's referring to the false teachers and, and their pursuit of illicit sexual pleasures without the consequences of having to face divine retribution. But it could be any desires, any, any wrong desires. It, it, it could be the desire to, to, uh, to do just as we please, the desire to uh, make a lot of money, the desire to be famous, the desire to have power, anything that would be contrary to the Word of God and the standards of the Bible. But these false teachers, they denied the return of Christ because they wanted to pursue illicit sexual ple uh, pleasures and, and didn't want to face divine retribution. And therefore, they deny the return of Christ and its judgment because they refuse to live up to the moral demands of the Bible. That's the bottom line. Aldous Huxley was a well-known British writer of the last century. He was also an atheist who was outspoken in his attacks on Christianity. But in one of his writings called Ends and Means, he honestly admitted that his antagonism towards Christianity stemmed from his desire to escape the feelings of of guilt. He was a lot more honest than, than a lot of people are uh, who reject Christianity. Here's what he wrote. He said, I had motives for not wanting the world to have meaning, consequently assumed that it had not, and was able without difficulty to find satisfying reasons for this assumption. The philosopher who finds no meaning for this world is not concerned exclusively with the problem of pure metaphysics. He is also concerned to prove there is no valid reason why he personally should not do as he wants to. For myself, the philosophy of meaninglessness was essentially an instrument of liberation, sexual and political. What a great statement, because what, what he so honestly admitted is the way all mockers of Christianity think, except they usually aren't as candid as that. They reject the gospel and especially the thoughts of judgment, the return of Christ, literal hell, things like that, because they want to live by their own moral standards without thinking that there's going to be a consequence for it. I was thinking, as Pastor Steve was reading that quote from Aldous Huxley, how refreshing, an honest atheist. At least Huxley recognized and admitted his motives for denying the gospel. It's sad that he overlooked two important facts that would have revolutionized his life. One is a warning and the other a comfort. First of all, you can't make something untrue by denying it. Truth stands on its own and does not need you or me or anyone else to keep it true. The other fact is if he simply confessed that guilt that he didn't want to face, admitted to God that he was indeed guilty, if he would have come clean with God and fallen on his mercy, the Lord would have cleansed him from all unrighteousness. He would no longer have been guilty. If we want to be free of guilt, we must face our guilt and bring it to God. Thanks for joining us today for another verse-by-verse -verse Bible class of the air. Our teacher is Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Since 1981, Pastor Steve has been teaching at Lakeside, and now his messages are available to the listeners of this wonderful radio station through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry supported by the gifts and prayers of people who have first been faithful to their local church. 
If you would like to hear today's class again, visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online or download the file for later. As I heard one person say, you can listen at your own pace and at your own place. I'll give you that web address again. It is versebyverseradio.org. If you would like to hear this entire message at one time without announcements, you can order an audio CD by calling us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-441-1714. When someone ridicules the second coming of Christ, it can shake us unless we know how solid a foundation that doctrine has. And it also helps to understand why people mock the second coming. I hope you can join us for our next verse-by-verse for the conclusion of Pastor Steve's first message on the second coming. We are here to give you strength between...